Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis. I'm here with my brother, Jeremy Sartori. Today is a Brother, Brother podcast. And today we are asking the age-old question, what are you listening to? There's a almost a glut of albums that have come out in the late in the fall of 2019. It's uh, tis the season, I guess, but it is... Um, you know, it's a, it's a whole raft of quality that's coming out, and it's almost hard to get your arms around all the new albums and, and give them the, the uh, time and effort that they are due, but uh, a lot of them are deserving of it, and we're about to uh, talk about a few. Yeah, we, uh, we kind of do this segment throughout the year um, to try and cover off some of the new music we've been digging. <clears throat> Fortunately, uh, Young Christian is... Uh, a wash Take and microeconomics and <laughs> uh, university life, but um, when I will pick up the slack, hopefully. So yeah, this year in general, like, and, I, and maybe this happens kind of every year. I say this like, there's a uh, I look back and I forget that a lot of albums I love came out maybe earlier in the year, and then you know we've had a whole like you said kind of like an, a declogging of an artery or something. There's yeah, it was a, flow, like... a flood of of new sh- of new shit that's really good. It, it was almost seemed to all land on one day, and I can't pinpoint the day, but it was somewhere in like late September, and it was like somewhere in a field. Yeah, somewhere in a field in Hampshire. Um, but you want to kick it off? What are you listening to, Jay? Yeah, I'll kick it off. Um, <clears throat> so the first album I'm going to throw out there is the new Vagabond record, and uh, it's from Lativa Tanko is her name. Uh, I think she's Cameroon originally, but based in Brooklyn. And uh, I really liked the last record. It was kind of um, in that vein of, of some of the indie rockers going back to what I, I guess what I kind of grew up on, the grungy Nirvana sound and, and uh, loud guitars. And then this record is like, like two feet in, completely different sound, like really sparse, um, uh, you know, very sort of like, I don't want to say dance heavy, but like rhythmic. And... Uh, I think it's kind of a, a cool record in the sense that she's somebody who's, who's black in the indie rock world. And, uh, you know, so A, you know, there's... Yeah, young there's, black women in the indie rock world is not a... Yeah, it's a scarcity. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, you get like Santa Gold. And I think, you know, obviously got um, accolades for the last record and, and doing that in, in a way that, you know, rightfully so. But I think like any sort of rarity, sometimes there's a lot of attention put on you. So the sophomore album can be, you know, a tricky thing for anybody, but especially in that sense. And this record, um, yeah, it just, it, it surprised me, but not in a way that uh, was disappointed at all. It, it just, it, it actually matured and she almost sounds more comfortable with this sound. So like songs like Into the Water are great. Um, I think start to finish, it's just a, a cool record. It's got a, a really good sound, and, and from somebody who's going to be doing a lot of big things. You know? I haven't heard. I haven't heard the album actually. To be honest with you, I haven't even heard. It's of... self-titled, um, and yeah, you should definitely check it out. I think you'll really like it. Yeah, I, I'm going to, uh, um, you know, sort of bring the party down entirely, um, and talk about Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds' new album, Ghostine, which is pretty much uh, start to finish and owed to Nick Cave's uh, recently and sadly deceased teenage son, Arthur, um, who uh, uh, I think died two years, a year ago, two years ago with this, during the, the, um, uh, during the recording of Skeleton Tree. And 
this is the first album that's entirely dedicated to his memory. And if you didn't think Nick Cave could could get more somber and dark, um, you know, welcome to the new Nick Cave. It's uh, it is somber and dark, and there's nobody who can do hard on your sleeve sincerity as convincingly, I think, as Nick Cave. I mean, he's such an intense person and such a, a talented songwriter that um, even when he's not dealing with the weighty issue of, of um, and sadness of, of uh, uh, tragedy, um, he's pretty dark. And this is times a lot. Um, so, uh, you know, like I said, I highly recommend it, but it's almost it was like a uh, like a Lars von Trier movie, like a yeah, Breaking like, the Waves <laughs> or something. You walk out, you're like, oh my God, that was phenomenal. I'm not sure I ever want to see that again. Right. <laughs> it's a one, one-time viewing. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. I mean, I do, uh, this album is really great, and I will revisit it, but it's, it, it it requires a, a frame of mind that that you don't you're not always in. Yeah, you're not always prepared for. Yeah, I need to. I mean, like you with Vagabond, I have listened to it, and I I um I'm I love Nick Cave as you know, kind of a entity. And never icon. yeah, never really uh, dove into that uh, dark water <laughs> as much as you and Christian have. I think. I think everybody has a Nick Cave phase yeah it's like it's sort of like you know i don't think i had one that was the thing you know like i know people that love the guy like they would never miss him it's like boarding school girls in photography (laughs) everybody has the phase um but there there are albums i go back to i mean like boatman's call i you know yeah i love boatman's call no it's a good record i think that's kind of like the the um you know beginner that's a good gateway cemetery gateway exactly um but i uh and I, I respect the hell out of him. And I have listened to this record, and it, it is, like, intense as usual. So I will give it another listen, too, with that context. That lovely uh, yeah, <laughs> post-Halloween. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I will say, though, that uh, the, the, another album that I'm kind of hooked on at the moment that has probably more in common with Vagabond than Nick Cave does is the new Sandy Alex G, mm-hmm. an extremely prolific Philadelphia-based uh, singer-songwriter who... who uh, you know, again, uh, sort of genre hops, but, uh, you know, convincingly. It's not, it n- never sounds out of his depth. And, you know, I, I, I said, I think I texted you guys when I first got, when I first listened to it, I said it sounds like a non-suicidal Elliot Smith. Yeah. And somebody somebody replied back, there's no such thing as a non-suicidal yeah. Elliot Smith. <laughs> um, but, yeah, he's got things in common, you know, sort of, he's got the, the hookiness and the, the sincerity of a, of a Elliot Smith, but um, yeah, the songs are just there. Like I and I and I think, given his output, I mean, this guy this is a guy who puts out multiple albums a year usually, in the sort of Ty Siegel, uh, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard kind of prolific uh, category. But and what's the name of this record again? This Sorry. one is called House of Sugar. House of Sugar, nice. And from what I gather, it was. Uh, um, I don't know. It's uh, the uh, album cover is kind of great. It's a uh, figure skater with a spotlight on it. Yeah. Um, but it's you know there's there's songs like uh, I mean I think hope is a song that you yeah I love I that song sort of cotton to yeah. and I think that you know sort of stands out as a single. But it, it's one of those ones that kind of gets in your skull and doesn't leave. He's cool. I mean I think he's very much an artist of like the age in the same way that. Um, 
I don't know, like a car seat headrest. I mean, very different sounds. I, not very different sounds, but different sounds. But where they kind of, I mean, these are bedroom kids that have access to. It's a social media. Yeah, platform. to exactly to, to a lot of different sounds, and and they play with them. And I find like he's got stuff that almost sounds like electronic, and then stuff that's like very folky and and um, and blends them well. I think the like you said, genre hopping and doing it well is the key there. Like his, he has good songs underneath it all. So if it's fuzzier, more kind of. Um, you know, electronic bass, there's usually a melody. Yeah, it's almost like actually a good, and I, I didn't think about this until you just said folky, but it, uh, a good parallel is almost folk implosion, you know, bat way, you know, if, if anybody remembers the last century <laughs> yeah. when folk implosion was, but you know, something like natural one would be at home on a, on a Sandy totally, LXG record. Yeah, where you have like a, a drum machine and, you know, a, a folk song underneath. Well, before we jump on to my next one, should we hear something? Yeah, let's, um, let's play a little bit of Not Nick Cave. Let's do it. <laughs> let's, do, uh, let's do Vagabond, uh, since you haven't heard that one. Yeah, I love it. the water. Welcome back to Brother, Brother, Brother Pod, and today Wyndham and I are talking <clears throat> about what are you listening to. It's a topic we end every episode with, where we ask each other uh, what are you listen to, and it could be a book, movie, or um, record, but right now we're talking strictly music, and we do this segment, I guess, like, we're on a quarterly schedule, aren't we? More so or less. Organized. Um, the next... Let's call it third semester. <laughs> exactly, yeah. The next artist that... Um, I want to talk about was Brittany Howard's uh, album Jamie, and uh, it's um, Brittany Howard of Alabama. Yeah, Shakes, sorry, formerly I think Alabama Shakes. Are they officially done? Do you know? Or I don't know. It? I kind of hope so. Yeah, I do too. She's and, better on her own. Yeah, she's great. And uh, this record, I think, like the Anderson Pack record earlier in the year, Ventura, like not as many guest stars, if, but like has the. Um, just does that soul retro sound with uh, like really immediate modern twist. Uh, yeah, it's great. The song "Stay High" is a great single. Um, it's like really fucking catchy, um, really good. There's some like interesting kind of even like Gil Scott Heron style like spoken word stuff, and the music and the sound um, is great. I was, I mean, I always thought Alabama Shakes. She was obviously Alabama Shakes, and, and she made the band, and her voice, and her guitar playing, and look, and everything was, was so essential to that band, um, but they were retro to me. They sounded like a retro brand, rocking out, you know, Muscle Shoals style rock and roll, which was great. I, I always felt like their tempo was too, like it was too plodding and mid-tempo yeah, it for was. It the was, power of her voice. And this kind of lets her, yeah, be off on her own, and experiment a little bit, but all, all, in a really great way. I was... Not being a huge fan of theirs, not disliking them or not thinking they were bad or anything. It just wasn't my, my scene. It was your sound. It felt like yeah. the soundtrack to Starbucks. Tonight. Totally. Yeah, exactly. It sounds like, yeah, the, 
It sounds like what people that kind of like good music, you know, or think is pretty great, you know, for a time period. And, and that's not a knock against them. They did a, you know, they were successful and, and had, that one single was actually really great. No, and I saw them live early on and she... Yeah, you saw them like Brooklyn Bowl or something. Yeah, and she just really tore the roof off the joint. I mean, she is phenomenal as a performer and as a just a vocalist. No, totally, and and um, but you kind of knew, like when I heard about this album, I was like, oh, of course, like well, why didn't that, you know, like you knew she was gonna get the spotlight eventually, and I think you know from interviews and things I've read about her, also a big and, and cool personality too, you know, somebody who's who's pretty positive and pretty music positive, and then um, you know, kind of a force. So songs on this, I mean, stay high. I mentioned uh, history repeats. He loves me. Georgia, they're all really good, and uh, I put this right up with like one of my favorite soul records, that Anderson Pack record Ventura this year, where I uh, have just been pleasantly surprised by the retro sound. There's a little bit of Erica Badu, and, and you know, just also you know harking back to the the heyday of, of that sound. So I, I'm actually going to pick up with another Southerner who took an insanely unexpected left turn, and that is Sturgill Simpson's Sound Sturge. and Fury. Um, Sturgill, who we've been, you know, big fans of yeah. since uh, he first started making records late. Um, you know, for for you know for a musician, you know, he started his output came pretty late in his life. I mean, he I think Sturgill's in his early forties at this point, and he's you know probably only seven or eight years into his career. Um, but uh, the new album, Sound and Fury, uh, just. You know, I mean, he's a he's known as a country singer, and he yeah. is a country singer, and he sounds like Waylon Jennings, and he's got Waylon Jennings style attitude, and he just came out with a fucking ZZ Top record <laughs> yeah. um, that that accompanies a forty one minute anime movie on Netflix, which he was like obsessed with anime after doing he was in the service in the army and uh, he was Served stationed in Japan. in Japan. Yeah, I didn't realize yeah. that. I mean, I knew he was in the service. I knew he was a military guy, um, but. A very convincing Trey Hombres, uh, yeah. you know, era ZZ Top. He remarkably, he sounds remarkably similar to uh, Billy Gibbons, I think. And I had never really just thought of that in his voice because no, he cool, sounds so much like Waylon. By yeah, sort of a more traditional country sound. It's very uh, Jennings, like you said, Waylon Jennings. But yeah, no, I agree. It's. Uh, I mean, if you haven't never got into those seventies. ZZ Top albums, they're pretty fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, they're good. It's just good swamp buggy. And yeah. Little, you know, fun fact is that, uh, um, you know, ZZ Top was discovered and signed by Jimi Hendrix, who was on tour in Texas and caught right. them at a bar. That's right. story yet. And, um, um, but yeah, there's some, you know, the more I, the more I rest or more I sort of uh, live with this record, the more I realize it does have some, some catchy individual songs, uh, sing along I heard on the radio a handful of times on the ride back from New York the other day, and uh, it's a it's a ripping tune. It's a great guitar rock song, and he's got a great rock and roll voice. And if I'm not mistaken, he just announced a tour where he's playing like Madison Square Garden. He's playing yeah, arenas. Yeah, he's gotten huge. He's a guy that uh, it's like kind of we needed Sturgill. You know, it's a, it's always when like rock and roll or music or Stagnates. country is dead or you know whatever it is you want to say and and. Uh, Somebody kind of strips it down. I think probably a lot like Waylon did in the seventies, yeah. you know, and just brings it. Like Guns N' Roses did to hair metal, totally, and the Strokes yeah. did to indie rock. Exactly, and um, and I also think too, like the 
I don't know, like, this is one of those records when I read about it prior to coming out, like, an animated film, you know, Sturgill goes full-on electric. I was like, Swamp this boogie. is going to suck. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and, um, and actually, my first listen, I wasn't super excited about it. Yeah, no, I think I'm you like, mentioned we... ZZ Top, and I hadn't listened to it, and then I really heard that, because I had friends, and I have friends who really love that, like, ZZ Top era, so I, I'm pretty, like, actually well-versed in those records, and... and they're not like something I pop on all the time, but they're great. But cheap sunglasses, you know, songs yeah. like cheap sunglasses. Totally, yeah. There is a, a groove like and a boogie, and but I, vocal wise too, I, his voice really works here, and, and uh, so it sounds less like somebody trying to do rock music. It's, yeah, it doesn't sound like, like an attempt. It yeah, sounds it like sounds a, like it sounds a like a well worn. Yeah, like it doesn't sound any different than any of his other stuff. You know, the really. glove fits. We have to acquit. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. Like, the last album, too, I think, was a lot bigger than you think. Or than yeah, I, thought, I didn't I love say. that. I didn't either, but it was it had some good stuff on there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, well, all hail Sergio. I'm just psyched that we saw him in a room of, like, 300 people. Yeah. Um, and he blew he ripped my it socks apart. off. Yeah, <laughs> it was great. Um, sorry, yeah, me. Uh, so I'm going to go with, like, a couple old-timers in the... Uh, it's our, the month of our birthdays, Win and yeah. I, so we'll celebrate some, some groups that um, have been consistently good, and I think and sometimes... Our, our age. Yeah, exactly, age. your age, and, and maybe like close to my age. Um, but uh, the New Pornographer's new one, um, In Morse Code of Brake Lights, which is a wordy title, like A.C. Newman's wordy lyrics, but, um, and then Ode to Joy from Wilco, and I'll start with the New Pornographer's. This is a band, you know, Win and I were talking about earlier their first album what is it mass romantic, mass romantic yeah that really hit Twin us Twin cinema and then they what was that like 98 or no it was like two, 2002 i think no i think it's older than look it up yeah, yeah. use the computer hand computer you have over there um <laughs> because i was in it was definitely like 2000 or whatever i, I, well, I moved to chicago in 02 that's how i kind of uh Break. tracked that and i had that album in austin okay um so, and I lived there prior, but anyways. It was, it, they came together originally as, you know, they, yeah, in, a, in a very uh, self-effacing Canadian humor kind of yeah. way, called <laughs> themselves a super group because yeah. it was uh, members of, I mean, it was Nico Case and Dan Behar from Destroyer and then AC Newman had a different band and, yep. you know, nobody ever heard of Blaine, <laughs> Blaine Thorber uh, <laughs> was in a different band and. Um, you know, so much like Broken Social, social scene, scene was yeah, the I'd same say way. they're kind of in both. They were the West Coast Broken Social scene. Yeah, totally. And um, and it's a great record. I love that record. I love... And then consistently ever since, A.C. Newman kind of took the lead and, and exactly. sort of became his band. He had a solo album, which is really he's terrific. He's had a couple, but his first one was excellent. And uh, he's a guy that mm-hmm. is, you know, for Wynn and I, mm-hmm. I think... He's a great writer. He packs a lot into a song, but has a real knack for pop, like Hook. a Robert Polar, Pollard well, type. Or I read a, a funny um, <clears throat> quote uh, when this you know round of press was going on for the new album, and um, it pretty much sums up their entire catalog with, and with one quote, and that was A.C. Newman said, uh, I guess on the uh, in the wake of Rico Kasich's death, that he's only ever been trying to write the car's first album over and over again. And that's exactly <laughs> Which what is they, a, a great goal and it's yeah. turned out really well. But yeah, I think it, like we said, a band that kind of suffers a little bit from just consistently being good. Like I could probably pop on any new pornographer's album and like it. And I could put on any of them on shuffle and want to put almost every song on a, on a playlist or a mix mixtape, you know? So 
It's a great record. I think, uh, you know, it's, they always get critically acclaimed because they're that good, but I think it's uh, worth going out. I think you were saying the last couple, they tried to do a few different things or have a little bit of a slightly different sound, which is hard to tell, but um, they've kind of gone back to just being straight up power pop. Yeah, they are, you know, power pop. And, and uh, on the, you know, and actually dovetailing into uh, my next band, which is uh, White Reaper, Louisville, Kentucky's own White Reaper. Um, phenomenal band I saw live on Saturday uh, for the third time. And their new album is called You Deserve Love. And these guys are, I'm their power pop with a little bit of Thin Lizzy guitar. They're, you know, they're arena rock, but very knowingly so. They are searching for the hook they are trying to conquer stadiums they are doing everything with them i mean their first two albums uh, uh were called rock, white, white reaper does it again yeah. uh was their debut album and their second album was uh the world's best american band yeah and they kind of are the world's yeah. best american band right now they are just doing what i guess you know sort of late 70s early 80s and uh, the the touch the touch points are cheap are definitely trick, cheap trick. Lizzie, the cars, yeah. Thin Lizzy, Boston. Yep. Um, but even a little, uh, you know, you could creep. Billy in a Squire. Little, yeah, and I would say like little Def Leppard or you know totally. hair metal like accents there. Yeah, but in the best <clears throat> possible way, yeah. like the five good hair metal yeah, songs, like right. round and round. Um, Put in a blender. Yeah, it, it. But they, they, they. they it's like I said. It's very knowing. They get it. They're performative. They, um, you know, they're aspirational and at the same time not obnoxious about it. And uh, I posted a, a picture on Instagram of the band playing um, in Harvard Square the other day and got a like from Tony Esposito, the lead singer's mother. Oh, so wow. that was, uh, you know, high praise. She's a fan of brother, 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 and her son. Which exactly. Is nice. But I would say too, like one thing about this band that I think is. Um, I think there's a ton of like awesome live bands that do 70s rock well or do garage, you know, I mean, we, you know, yeah. or do kind of like a play on... The Road to Hell air. is paved with, yeah, with the minders metal. and... Yeah, 60s, psychedelia, whatever the fuck it is. But, um, I mean, even bands like Twin Peaks who we're going to go see or yeah. the, you know, OCs or something that do it really well. Um, but these guys like have a knack to... They have hits. Yeah, they have hits. And yeah, it, it's, it's, it's definitely like straight up mimicking a sound but they bring their own like pop sensibility and lyrics to it and i mean the new album i i, I think is a little too cleanly produced which is a little bit of a bummer after i agree the, last one. the the live show helped me appreciate the new album because i would say the same thing i if, i loved world's greatest american band in fact it was my number one album of yeah, 2017 you were champion huge champion of that and this one is a little bit uh more cleanly produced. I mean, it's, it suffers a little bit from the Sheen. Tim, you know, replacements, Tim syndrome. I think syndrome. you mentioned it. it was, uh, it's more Bay City Rollers than, you yeah, know. Yeah, than uh, Lizzie. But, yeah. um, but I love the Bay City Rollers. Yeah, um, But yeah, there's a, they're, and they're definitely attempting to get radio play in 1981. Yeah, um, that's what I was going to say. I'm not quite <laughs> sure what radio station uh, is going to play it. You know, but. <laughs> good luck with WBCN's yeah. uh, music. But but that said, I'm, it's it's not to diminish. And and like I said, seeing them live really helped me sort of ease into the new album because um, it is a little bit more of a pop rock album 
um, a little less biting, but it, it it all made sense when I saw them do it. No, nah, that that happens a lot. I mean, I would say uh, the singles at um, All Right or the I, I can't remember the single's name. Might be right. Might be right. I, that song really hooked me, and I I love it. It's uh, it's super catchy and fun. Um, I might have to listen to that and then kind of close out this segment. I've got a couple more, and then I think you have one more. Yeah, you, I do. Yeah, all right, perfect. So uh, let's listen to uh, Might Be Right by White Reaper. After that uh, taste of 1983 magic by uh, yeah. White Reaper. That, that if you can smell the pot smoke wafting through the, the <laughs> old Boston Garden. I was uh, watching, I forget what I was watching. Oh, like a, I think it was like a cartoon actually, or one of those like Pets movies with my kids over the weekend. And there's like an old lady scene and she's driving just a typical like car from 84. And they're just like, what is that? <laughs> like, the car is huge. It's a giant box. I was like, I think I had one of those. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, and it would have an A-track of uh, yeah. Cheap Trick. Were, <laughs> right. Uh, purposefully to trying, want me. <laughs> trying to, uh, sending a message to the future of White Reaper. Definitely. Um, so kind of, uh, uh, I mentioned it when I was talking about New Pornographers, but just another album that I'll throw out there, Ode to Joy, Wilco. And this album got like, I, I think I listened to Sound Opinions, who we I like and we were fans of, but they just like crushed this album as being awful. Really? Yeah, like really boring. And so I was, and not that I, I follow my musical whims from, from, from Jim, Jim and yeah, Greg, but uh, I, um, you know, I, I'm a Wilco fan, as you, anyone who listens to the pod knows. I, I know much to like, Christian loves to make fun of it, and, and I think Wynn's um, more passive, but a, a fan. Yeah, so, you know, the album, and... I've heard some interviews with Jeff Tweedy about just kind of becoming complacent a little bit. Like the band is, you know, a little fat and happy to some degree and, and uh, you know, has done very well touring. He had his solo album, first solo album, and they wanted to kind of challenge themselves a little bit. And it's not my favorite record by any means, but it, it's a, um, it's kind of a tight package of like constraint with flourishes of uh like really interesting music breaks and i think uh wooden cross white wooden cross is a great song i think the single everyone hides is really good it comes on the heels of his two solo albums and it yeah. feels like a continuation a little bit of it a does yeah i think of those i think so too but i think like bringing the band in and uh gives what is his sound is a lot more sparse on his own kind of brings it in, but it, I also felt like it was a band that can explode at any moment. They have so many good, you know, the band has become quite a powerhouse and the, you know, people like Nels Klein and stuff, but there's almost this like forced constraint that they're trying to, and like the flourishes are small in a weird way. And I think it's a pretty dark album too, just kind of state of the, the union, I think just in general, 
um, of what's going on in the world today. But I like it a lot. I think it's good. I, I think that these guys, you know, there's really only like two records I don't like by them. But I think these guys continue to challenge themselves and put out good music, and, and I'm, the world's a better place for it. And my other one, for I'll let when you finish it off, but another band that put out two albums this year, Big Thief, um, UFOF, and then Two Hands. I think uh, the latter is the album that I really wanted them to put out. Two Hands, I know you're the one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. i uh huge fan of, of the band, and the songs that got me into them were songs like Shark Smile and Masterpiece off the first record. And so, you know, what's been really kind of exciting is UFOF is a great record, but it has one pace, basically. Mm-hmm. And then Two Hands is like... You know, masterpiece or Shark Smile, but a collection of those it's songs little, that have a little more. the musicians, yeah, loose a little. Buck Meek is it's, the guitar player, and he's a really very talented good. guy. Yeah, and sings a lot of backup and brings like kind of some strange flourishes. So I love this record, start to finish. I think it's like a, a perfect record by them. It's the sound that I kind of want them to hit. It's the uh, pace pacing that I think they do best in, and then her lyrics and are, are She's fantastic. She's a great writer, Adrian Linker. Adrian. Adrian, Adrian I think. yeah, it's like I, I always would tell this anecdotally, but uh, the f- first time I saw Big Thief was probably in the least, <laughs> uh, um, least appropriate setting I can think of. It was a booze cruise with Deer Tick, and they were opening for Deer Tick, and everybody was hammered, and it was right when I wonder Pac- if Deer Tick like handpicked them. Too. Yeah, I yeah, believe I'm they, sure did. they did. You know, and um. And but it was the I think it was like the week that weed got legalized in Massachusetts, oh and so it was just a Whee! absolute floating shit, shit show. show. And everyone's just like, "What the fuck she's saying?" Yeah. You know, it's it's a very subdued and quiet kind of set, and uh, so it was kind of it's it's always been kind of funny. But if they could survive that, then good for them. Yeah, it's also a band too. Like there's certain bands that I love that I just don't have that much interest in seeing live, and I'm sure they're fantastic. But unless I'm like sitting down and you know, yeah, it's the Bell and sipping, Sebastian syndrome. Totally, like a cocktail or something. Um, but songs like "Rock" and "Sing" and I, "Forgotten Eyes" and then the song Two Hands" are, are standouts. Really yeah. And uh, yeah, it's a powerhouse album. And this band is—I uh, mean, we've had some Here offline conversations about just why they get so much attention. But I think well, for and, and she is the the star. Oh, and definitely. But it, it's little. It's pretty different from the Brittany Howard Alabama Shakes syndrome. I think Brittany Howard was the only thing to watch in Alabama Shakes. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I think in this case, there's a lot more collaboration and a lot more input from the rest of the gang. Yeah, no, this is a band. Yeah. And I think they all bring something to the table. And I think they all know what they have in her, too, you know? Mm-hmm. I think they handle her, you know, I mean, it's sort of, uh, you know, they, they, they position her to be her best version of of herself which is you know i mean phenomenal writer and and very delicate um anyway uh speaking of delicate uh my last album today is danny brown's you know what i'm saying um it is funny it's danny brown he's a nut Uh, i love this guy and I've, i've liked everything he's done um, to date, he was always, you know, he sort of had a, a, a style and a, an offbeat, um, comical kind of presence. And this one, he's gone full like Dolomite. Um, he's, it feels like he's almost playing a character. Yeah. And it's, it's got a lot more of the sort of funk and, se- you know, 70s funk and soul of like a early outcast. Um, and he'd actually, you know, 
he sounds like a musical hybrid of Andre 3000 and Big Boy, really, um, because he has the the sort of uh, verbal dexterity of a big boy, but he's got the kind of outsized style and personality yeah, of Andre 3000. And he is not afraid to, to go for in in character. And, uh, and you know, judging by um, the the photos and the and the videos for the new album, I mean, he's you know he's really kind of having fun uh, playing characters and and doing some funky shit. Some good guests on this record too. Run the jewels. Run the jewels. Yeah, the the lead single is uh, Three Tears. Featuring Run the Jewels, and that that is a collaboration that works super well. Yeah, it goes. I mean, it's sort of like, why haven't they done this yet? It's yeah, great. And uh, Killer Mike is, and and Danny Brown are, are perfect birds together. of a feather. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I suppose you know, describing Danny Brown as as the bastard child of Outcast is uh, you know would would make him at home in Atlanta with the Killer Mike. He's a Detroit based. Yep. And, um, you know, uh, like I said, a, a character, but he is um, super talented and yeah, funny. Yeah, no, I love it. And uh, it's a great record. I've listened to it. And I think you're right. It's kind of almost like a character. And well, he is a character. And he's another guy who kind of shifts stylistically. Genres, yeah. and, and, uh, this is much more funk and soul based. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a funky record and it's a, it's a good record. So cool. Well, let's, uh, what do you want to hear before while we close out? I think that's there's a lot more we could talk about as far as albums. So many have come out, but uh, do you have one more? Or are you? No, that was it for okay. me. Okay. Um, but yeah, let's 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 go out on a little uh, Three Tears by Danny Brown. Sounds good. Used to cut the rock with no glove on, shove on, but I'm like develop a love show. The reason why you hold back the rub on. No limit, call me Mr. Sober. Work all day to the work gone. Talking back in the day when I had a truck phone. My nigga made a wrong turn, got flipped in the sun. Had to say I was a smoker just so I can go home. Every day another episode. I'm just trying to hit a beat like a vectoscope. Like my baseline's thick, like a Texas hoe. It was written, but the signature not legible. Drink so much, I can drown a bitch on some other shit. A demon on the hunt, but a sucker bitch. Why you want some cutty shit? Hit it, then fuck a bitch. I don't think you know who you're fucking with. Two tears in the bucket. Fuck it. I don't care about nothing. Nothing. Two tears in the bucket. Fuck it. I don't care about nothing. Nothing. Things dangerous. Runner jewels is chaos and arrangement. Shit'll give your fuck face a facelift. Papa did the triple and flip when it came in. Mama never met a bottle that she couldn't drink. Welcome back to the Brother 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 Podcast. We are going to end this as we end every episode with uh, a very redundant question at this point. What <laughs> Jeremy, what are you listening to? So uh, what have I been listening to? I actually I'm gonna throw out two things. I've been listening to a podcast, the Ryan or the Monday recap with the, on the Ryan Rosillo show. Oh, which Chris is on, Long. on Ringer with Chris Long. and uh, Fellow Charlotte's villain. Yeah, I was going to say, Wynn and I having roots in, in Charlottesville, Virginia, which I know has sort of a, a stain on it in the rest of the world, but it's actually a nice place with nice people that aren't racist. Um, but um, Chris Long is, uh, yeah, really funny. It's kind of like a, a bro-y, meat-heady sports thing, so it is sports-oriented, which goes hand in hand with bro and meet Eddie but they're both they're both smart dumb guys totally yeah and they're funny and it's funny to hear they're friends which is kind of cool so there's some good conversation and then if you're a football fan I actually think there's some good insights there's good insights I mean you know Chris I mean Chris Long is one year removed from 
um, you know, from you know, the league, uh, from winning two straight Super Bowls with two different teams, and and uh, you know, his father is a Long. Hall of Famer, and his brother is an All Pro. So yeah, and it's know. kind of cool. And he also played on a garbage team, and and then at the end of his career, you know, lucked on to two Super or didn't luck on, but got onto two Super Bowl winning teams. He also famously donated his entire salary to public education. Yeah, and is a very uh, thoughtful. Guy. Um, you know, sort of socially progressive, interesting guy. So yep. uh, it's Apparently fun. to smoke weed and it's yeah. funny about it. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they, they are funny. I yeah. think both of them are funny. They're, they're like the friend you have that is, you know, kind of a butthead, but is also like secretly really smart. Yeah, no, and likes to talk about things. I, I think it's a great pod. I'm, I'm tuned in every Monday. And then the other one was The Watchmen on HBO, which I watched both episodes that are out. And, uh, I've had zero interest in anything to do with graphic novels or comics or anything and sort of grouped them all together in general, even though I'd heard this was a little headier and a little more interesting. And um, coming from a place of not reading it and probably never will, it's kind of cool and, and kind of fun. And I think it actually is like a, a good show. It's, the first two episodes are really get It's you, a weird enough galaxy yeah, that don't want to exist. Yeah, it's dystopic and, and kind of uh, fucked up. And, and I think... Um, I'm sure it'll do well without my endorsement, but I uh, I enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. Yeah, um, I am also going to uh, graduate from music into uh, the visual arts and talk about The Irishman, which I saw the first uh, screening of in New York uh, this week. It is three and a half hours. It is Scorsese. It is Pacino. It is De Niro and Joe Pesci, and it's fucking awesome. It is so good, and I really didn't think it could live up to the the expectation that I had, you know, set for it personally, and it does. I did not, for a second, think about checking what time it was. Uh, three and a half hours cruised by. Everybody's playing against type except Pacino, who is chewing scenery like a motherfucker. Um, but Joe Pesci is playing very subdued. Robert De Niro is playing very, you know thoughtful and and kind of the straight guy almost in a as straight as you get in a in a mafioso kind of uh, scenario but it is um you know unbelievably well written Steven Zalian who you know wrote Schindler's List among other things um is probably the greatest living screenwriter now that William Goldman's dead um and it is every there isn't a wasted word I don't think um there is you know there's there's a there's a level of patience required. It is three and a half hours long, but it, at the same time, the patience pays off. And um, the other thing that I've been watching, I only saw the first two episodes, but um, The Devil Next Door on Netflix, a uh, docuseries about um, Ukrainian immigrant uh, who is, I mean, this is a story from the late 80s, um, true story of a Ukrainian immigrant who is accused of being Ivan the Terrible um, a gas chamber um, operator in um, Nazi-occupied Poland. It's chilling and a very, very well done. So I highly recommend that, but, but you know, um, bring your emotional strength. It's tough. Yeah, that's... Uh, I'm looking for, I shouldn't say looking forward to seeing that. I'd like to see that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's going to be... Uh, a tough watch for sure. So um, let's throw some songs on the playlist and yeah. call, it a, call it a day. Go for it. Uh, I'm like torn with a few tunes and uh, I think I'm going to go, um, or I am going to go, I'm going to go, we had talked about this one and just 
for the sake of having the new pornographers on here, I'm going to do whiteout conditions. That's funny. I was going to do this. I, was, oh, I thought you were going a different no, direction. I am. I am going a different yeah, direction. I actually had another one, too, that was more uh, in the direction I think you're going, but I was like, we can't do two of those. So. Yeah, no, but uh, whiteout conditions is is a late era yeah, new pornographer album, song actually. that I think might be their best song. It's a great song, yeah. And um, just has a, has a Feel, rapidity lyric. and a, um, uh, forcefulness to it that it, you know, an urgency that is sometimes, you know, gets lost in their pop sensibility. I'm going to go with Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne. Nice. That's where I thought you were going, and I'm glad you did. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, just in the spirit of jock rock, yeah. um, arena rock. But I also just, I listen closely, you know, that song has been in my life since I was in fifth grade, and I you know, kind of take it for granted sometimes. But the other day I was driving home from New York and I listened to it really closely. The guitar work in that song is insane. Yeah. It's so good. And the guitar, so, I mean, that's still, you know, that was released in 1981 or 80. And, you know, there's, um, every, every bit of that song is so, um, remarkable. I mean, the, 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 Technique and the it's a really catchy song. Too. It's a really the catchy pop so, tune. Like you know, heavy, and then it, it really is a great pop song. Yeah, but I mean, I listen to the Randy Rhodes' solo in that. He was 22 years old when that yeah. was recorded, and it, the guy was a master. Unfortunately, died at 24 in a plane crash. But um, they had, that was a remarkable resurgence from a presumed dead Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, he's been he's been brought back to life many times. Yeah, but great great tune, and, and you know, like we said, a great pop song. Yeah, I agree. All right, cool. We got those in. So two great pop songs, and uh, yeah, it's fun. We uh, hopefully we'll get Christian Brack for for holiday break, and uh, we'll be able to do our albums of the year because I bet a number of these will be on there. All right, thanks a lot. Thanks. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother 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 podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.